I once heard someone say that, that Methodism is what Christianity looks like with its work clothes on. And that has certainly been my experience of the United Methodist Church. This emphasis on service to others is deep within the DNA of Methodism because the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, very much believed in and taught and practiced that the Christian faith is intended to be lived out. Wesley loved the letter of James, which famously asserts that faith without works is dead. When my wife Whitney and I were first visiting a Methodist congregation 20 plus years ago, we became immersed in this ethos of serving others. Before we joined a Sunday school class, before we started working with the youth program, before we joined a dinner group with other couples in the church. In fact, uh, really almost as soon as we began worshiping with the congregation, we were invited to volunteer for several different service projects. And all of the Methodist congregations that we've been part of since have been deeply involved in serving others. The types of service work uh, that has been involved has been incredibly varied. So one of the first things that we did, this is back at Arapaho United Methodist Church, was to volunteer to watch the children of newcomers to America while they got uh, advice from immigration attorneys. When we were in uh, Henrietta, Texas, which is out by Wichita Falls, we fed the hungry in Clay County through something called the Friday Food Mission, which ended up being staffed almost exclusively by volunteers from First United Methodist Church of Henrietta. The congregation we served in Sherman launched uh, a coalition of churches to provide shelter to those who are temporarily experiencing homelessness. And over the years, we've done construction projects on houses all over the country and beyond, including building small cinder block houses in Juarez, Mexico, while on mission trip with youth groups. It truly is astonishing the breadth of opportunities to serve that the United Methodist Church has given us. And so when our family learned back in 2019 that we were uh, coming to Christ United Methodist Church, we felt honored to be joining one of the most service-minded congregations in Methodism. This is the congregation that built houses on our parking lot before moving them to the Douglas community. If you've been around for a while, you know that was House on the Corner. I think we did 14 of them over the years. Whitney and I thought that was the coolest thing we'd ever seen a church do. I still feel that way. This is the congregation that provided shelter for those who had been displaced by Hurricane Katrina. This is the congregation that developed the innovative uh, Project Hope ministry, which helps lift family out of, families out of poverty and thus changes the direction uh, for future generations. Next week, we're, gonna, um, we're going to commission our Volt team, our Vision of Light team, to take our eyeglass ministry to Honduras. Christ United Methodist Church has that United Methodist DNA as a defining part of who we are as a congregation of God's faithful. Part of our identity as a church family is to live into this essential aspect of our uh, discipleship. So much so that this part of our identity is literally the center of our mission statement, serving others. So this is the second week of our annual Stewardship Sermon Series, focusing on our mission as a congregation. Last week, we talked about loving God. Next week, we'll be talking about transforming lives. Today, we're talking about this, this uh, essential aspect of Christian discipleship that really is at the uh, core of United Methodist theology and practice. Chances are you've heard somewhere along the line this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Life's most persistent and urgent question 
is what are you doing for others? King was a, a Baptist preacher, of course, but he got his PhD at a Methodist institution, Boston University, and this notion resonates with the type of practical theology for which John Wesley was known. My experience of the United Methodist Church at the congregational, community, regional, national, and international levels is that we are constantly asking ourselves some version of this vital question, and, and many people have heard this MLK quote. Fewer people, however, know the context of this quote. So in 1963, the same year as his famous I Have a Dream speech, King preached a sermon called uh, Three Dimensions of a Complete Life. And he put the theology of serving others in the context of divine judgment. And here's how the extended quote goes. In a sense, he says, every day is judgment day. And we, through our deeds and words, our silence and speech, are constantly writing in the book of life. It's a powerful image. He goes on, light has come into the world, in Christ obviously, and everyone must decide whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism or the, the darkness of destructive selfishness. This is the judgment, and then comes the quote, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? I think it's a, a truly compelling description of the choice that each of us faces altruism or selfishness, which is to say selflessness or self-centeredness, to use the imagery of the Gospel of John, light or darkness. The way we live our lives, the things we choose to care about, the people, the places, the institutions to which we devote ourselves, all of our choices in King's view are entries in the book of life. The question before us is what are our entries to be. And if that seems like a heavy way to frame the subject of service, it's because um, the reason this is on my mind is because of our scripture reading for today. This is one of the, the recommended lectionary gospel texts. Um, it's a pretty challenging parable from Jesus. And in this parable, Jesus frames this issue, this theology, in the context of eternity. So we're going to read the entire passage now. This is Luke chapter 16 verses 19 to 31. Uh, listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Luke, this is Jesus speaking. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so 
and no one can cross from there to us. He said, then Father, I beg you to send them to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will, be they, will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so this is a tough parable. Let's just get that on the table. Uh, Jesus is coming in pretty hot with this one, I think. No pun intended. And it's, yet, and it's yet another story that's unique to Luke's gospel. I, don't, I think the message is pretty straightforward. I don't know that it requires all that much theological unpacking. Jesus' message is clearly that we need to care about other people, right? This is the point that MLK was making when he said, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? I do think it's important to point out that the problem here is not that the man is rich. The problem is that he does not care about the man who is poor. In fact, he thinks so little of him that uh, when he wants Lazarus to bring him water, he doesn't even ask him directly. He says, hey, Abraham, please uh, send that poor guy down here with some water. The problem is not the man's wealth. The problem is his indifference to others. In a sermon on this text, John Wesley wrote, it is no more sinful to be rich than to be poor, but it is, he wrote, dangerous beyond expression. Because scripture tells us that, that money is not the problem. Uh, rather, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, one of which is when our wealth, our material comfort uh, leads us to treat others differently or to think of others differently or to judge others differently. And when that happens, we're on shaky ground. In our parable today, the man's wealth and status caused him to disdain the beggar at his door. And so one of our spiritual disciplines that we practice, you know, partially to keep this from happening is serving others, uh, living into that second great commandment that Jesus talks about over and over again in the gospels, to love others as we love ourselves. And we believe that in so doing, we express our love for God. One of the things that I cherish most about Christ United Methodist Church is that we always have some way of living out this part of our discipleship. We've taken it very seriously for all 49 years that we've been around. Just today, for example, you've got three opportunities to serve uh, immediately following the 11 a.m. worship hour. If you didn't do so during the Sunday school hour, or even if you did, you can go back and do it again. You can help pack food to send to uh, orphans in Honduras. We do this once or twice a year. It's a perfect hands-on way to serve others. If you've never participated in our Send Hope ministry, I'd highly recommend it. It's a, a wonderful project for families with kids of pretty much any age, as well as for individuals. If that doesn't work for you, if you can't make that work, uh, if you're passionate about helping our veterans who are in need, you can support our annual veteran donation drive by giving clothing, food, or, or personal care items. These are gathered up and we give them to the VA hospital in Bonham, as well as to an organization that uh, helps homeless veterans in Dallas. 
If you'd like to participate in this, there's a little table as you walk out of the sanctuary, or if you're worshiping with us online, you can visit cumc.com slash veteran drive to learn more. And then, of course, we collect food baskets for Thanksgiving during this time of year. Uh, the best way to learn more about this is, annual ministry is to pick up a grocery bag, looks just like that. that. Well, you can grab one of these after the service if you want, or there's some more in the atrium immediately following worship today. Again, if you're worshiping with us online, you can go to cumc.com fall to participate. The point is, especially if you're new to this congregation, these three wonderful ministries uh, are just part of what's going on right now. Year-round, Christ United Methodist Church facilitates ways for all of us to serve others, whether through our serving others ministries or through our care ministries. Mike is our pastor of care ministries. There's lots of ways to serve there. Or through some other specific ministry area if you have special spiritual gifts for those um, ministries. And we do all this because serving others is a crucial part of our Christian journey. Now, the connection to the stewardship season is actually multi-layered. First of all, our tithes and offerings make possible all of our serving others ministries because it takes a fair amount of infrastructure, as you might imagine, to facilitate our work, both here in our local community and beyond. To coordinate the work of a 5,000 member congregation requires many things. Uh, staff to connect with the community and help support volunteers, facilities to house these ministries, communications to help people know what we're doing, supplies. All these things are funded by our tithes and offerings. That's probably obvious. You probably would assume that. But the impact of our giving extends far beyond our own congregation's work. We serve others by our commitment to the United Methodist Church. Every congregation in our denomination, if you're unfamiliar with the way things work, shares a portion of its financial resources. And those shared resources make possible the transforming work of the United Methodist Church around the world. For example, our connection helps to ensure that rural churches, like the one I served in Henrietta, like the one Don served in Burke Burnett, that those rural churches are fully supported in their ministry, that they receive qualified, trained, credentialed pastors, that they can pool their resources with ours to do the work of Christ in the world. Having served a rural congregation, uh, this part of our shared ministry is near and dear to my heart. It's part of our responsibility. Our tithes and offerings also support the spread of the gospel around the world, as well as our mercy and uh, missions work in every corner of the world. You may know that our connection facilitates the work of the United Methodist Committee on Relief. That is the gold standard in disaster response through UMCOR. Methodists are very frequently the first to arrive on the scene of a disaster and often the last to leave, and that is only possible because of our commitment to shared ministry and through pooling our resources with other United Methodists around the world. And then one last example, through our United Methodist Connection, our congregation specifically has supported the United Methodist churches throughout Honduras for the past three years. We've provided them with the, the funding they needed to ensure the safety and welfare of children in their congregations. That is vital and transforming work. And as you might imagine, I could go on and on. <laughs> detailing all the ways that contributions from Christ United Methodist Church impact the ministries of the United Methodist Church around the world. 
It's work that we truly all should be proud of as part of a global movement of United Methodist Christians because of our shared ministry, what that means is that, that your giving impacts far more people than you could ever know. That's the power of being in connection. All of which means that our, our giving, I'm talking about tithing 10% of our income or intentionally growing in our giving towards that goal, that is in fact a way of serving others. Here at Christ United Methodist Church, in our local community, and literally all around the world. The year that I was ordained, the preacher for the ordination service was Reverend Dr. William Lawrence, Bill Lawrence, uh, who at the time, he's retired now, but he was the Dean of Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist University. And Dr. Lawrence is, he's just Methodist deep, deep in his bones. Uh, he was uh, my professor in the class uh, about the organization of the United Methodist Church. He was on the board of ordained ministry when I was seeking ordination. So he was interviewing me to make sure that I could answer the questions that he had taught me. It's a little intimidating. He was extremely uh, influential in, our, in my academic journey, and I was, I was thrilled that he was the preacher for ordination that year. And what Bill said uh, in that sermon was pretty powerful for Whitney and me both. Uh, he asked a question, and it's a question that, that will always stay with me. It rings in my ears every bit as much as that MLK quote we talked about earlier. With this deep, deep love, for the United Methodist Church, speaking to this crop of, of newly ordained pastors, full of visions of what our ministries would be and where we would serve and how we would change the world. Bill said with this passion for ministry and a note of challenge to us all, that we would do something significant with our lives. He said, there is one question, just one question that you must ask and you must ask it again and you must continue asking from this day, the day of your ordination, until the day you retire many, many years from now. Is your community better because your congregation exists? If we're faithful to Christ's call, the answer to that question must be yes. We are all blessed to call this place home. Because for 49 years, Plano has been better because Christ United Methodist Church is here. And the thing is, it's not just Plano that's better because Christ United Methodist Church exists. It's North Texas. And it's not just North Texas. It is everywhere that the United Methodist Church reaches. So as we continue our stewardship journey and we prepare for next week's Celebration Sunday, let us give thanks to God for this blessed place that empowers us in our mission of serving others. Amen.